0: And that's what I want the church to be famous for. Imagine if that's what's like splattered over the papers. Christians leading the modern-day abolitionist movement. Christians leading a movement refusing to give in to climate change. Like imagine if that's what the church is famous for. And that begins with us as the next generation.
1: Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Dan and I'm with Chris today hey. and we're bringing you a special bonus episode recorded at their Edinburgh Together weekend, which was a gathering of young adults passionate about changing the world and making a difference. In one of the sessions over the weekend, we were introduced to Zoe Anderson from International Justice Mission, or IJM, which is a charity working to end modern day slavery. We were also introduced to Hazel McIver, who's a campaigns and policy expert at Tearfund Scotland. So both of them have a ton of experience in advocacy and influencing the government through our MPs to respond to injustice. So they shared some great tips on how we can get involved uh, with both our lifestyles and our voice so first up we join zoe as she shares how we can make a difference through our mps
0: throughout all these different things i gradually began to realize that god didn't ask me to just use my nine to five for the sake of justice and for the sake of advocacy and that actually throughout the scriptures he's asking for a whole life response and that's kind of what i want to speak into today a bit about what it looks like to be an advocate what it looks like to have a prayerful heart and what it looks like to have a lifestyle that is ethical and that actually aligns with your heart and aligns with your advocacy so i'm going to share a little bit about what that's looked like for me for those who are new to ijm ijm are the largest international anti-slavery organization so we're a global team of lawyers Of social workers and of undercover investigators who are working around the world to protect people from violence and rescue them out of that violence and to strengthen justice systems so that people don't end up there in the first place and we're facing into something that can seem completely overwhelming just over lunch I I was speaking to someone about how looking into these issues you can be immobilized because the statistics are so big I don't know what you were sharing on this morning but I imagine themes of extreme poverty and of things like local homelessness and all these overwhelming issues, Um, what does it look like to not be, refuse to be immobilised by them? For me, I look into the issue of slavery and see statistics like the fact that there's 40 million people estimated held in slavery today, the fact that that's more than ever before, more than during the transatlantic slave trade, that every minute two more children are sold into slavery, into brothels, into um, sweatshops, into different forms of slavery and the fact that that doesn't stay on the other side of the world but it's like on the internet that I watch that it's around my street corner people being trafficked that it's in the clothes that I wear and the food that I eat and that looking into that can be immobilizing and cause you to turn your head so in the face of these kind of issues and as young justice advocates what does it look like um, to respond to God's call to stand for justice what does God ask of me what does he ask of me what does he ask of each of us Well, these three things I saw. So in 1833, um, Britain abolished slavery within its empire. So this was a movement led by Christian advocates who led the abolitionist movement. And you will have seen stories of what slavery looked like at that time through films like Amazing Grace or Blood Diamond or different films or through studying history. But actually it was Christians that were at the forefront of saying actually... Not, I refuse to be okay with that, and I, ref, I will stand with them. It was Christians at the very forefront of this. And when I look at what that movement looked like, again, I see these three key themes of advocacy, of prayerful hearts, and of lifestyles that stand in line with where your heart is. First, the advocacy. William Wilberforce. Who's heard of Wilber- William Wilberforce? Yeah, everyone. William Wilberforce was a British politician and an evangelical Christian. And he, we're actually so privileged today to be sitting in the very seats of people who have this same influence, people who are shaping legislation, people who are saying what kind of generation our next generation is going to be. And this, this is the same kind of person who led a movement of Christians to end slavery back in 1833. And what's amazing, as what Nicole has been sharing today about this parliament, is that it is transparent and that it's built with the intention of us having a say. And I think we can sometimes be really quick to criticise our politicians, can't we? Especially in the current political climate. Um, I don't know how many times I've criticised Donald Trump before I've prayed for him, Um, but actually we're quick to criticise. And then you ask the people who are criticising their politicians, who's your local MSP? And barely anyone will know. And actually I think we have a real call as a generation to refuse that culture and to, to grapple with um, the politics that's happening, to speak to our MSPs, to write to our MSPs, and to harness the voice that we have, because majority of people in the world don't have the same voice. And actually, if you think about it, we put the people in these seats, so therefore we're the boss. And actually, what kind of a boss would we be if we didn't use our words and didn't have a say? So advocacy. And something of what that looked like, I think Hazel's going to share a bit about how TIF and later on have... Um, Working with the government around different issues that are close to their heart. For us, IJM, we have been working with Sajid Javid, who's the um, Home Home Secretary. Yes. Um, Home Secretary, and he has basically declared war on the online sexual exploitation of children. So we've built up a relationship with him to say, actually, um, it's not just a UK issue. We need to think about it internationally. We need to be, whilst we're putting governance on um, our online and on internet providers. We also need to be rescuing the people who are being exploited on the other side of the world. So that's an example of what that can look like. That actually, you can be an expert in your field, whatever your passion is. And there'll be many displayed around this room. You can be an expert in your field and still have like a Christian voice within an area of influence. Secondly, faith-filled, prayerful hearts. This is what God asks of us. Justice begins and ends with God. Again, I imagine you've been grappling with this um, this morning. Um, God is the author of love, God is the author of compassion, he's the author of justice, he's the author of freedom, and he's the author of redemption, and therefore why on earth would we try this without him? Like It's like a child um, trying to learn how to bake a cake without, telling their, without asking their baker mother who's like expert in cake making. Like Why on earth would we try and do this without him? So at IJM, one hour of our contracted time a day is dedicated towards prayer. So from nine to half nine and two to half two, we are in prayer and laying down all that's going before us. So internationally, that's a thousand members of staff. That's a thousand hours of prayer that they're being paid to do a day. That's 5,000 hours of prayer a week. 250,000 hours of prayer a year. That's a big financial investment, isn't it? And that is people putting their money where their mouth is. Actually, we're saying God is a God of justice. This work begins and ends with him. Therefore, before I go into that brothel and rescue that child... Before I go into that law court and fight for that mother, I'm going to get on my knees before the God of justice. And actually, we've got a call to do that as well. Um, rather than speaking about how, God, how great God is and how he's a God of justice, getting on our knees and getting before him and asking him to go before us in whatever advocacy, whatever job, whatever stand, whatever um, Lent challenge we're doing, actually partnering with the God of justice in that. Thirdly, distinct lifestyles. So in 1791, this was pre the abolition of the transatlantic slave trade, there was 400,000 British abolitionists who boycotted slave-grown sugar. 4,000 British abolitionists who boycotted slave-grown sugar. And that actually got people's attention because it was beginning to have an impact on the companies. Their sales were dropping because people were refusing to consume food which was um, grown by people who were being held in slavery. Now today, 71 companies believe that there's probably a likelihood of slavery being within their supply chain at some stage. 71%. Um, So just take a moment to think about the clothing that you're wearing, the food that you've eaten today, and think about how many hands could have been involved in that production. Again, we could look at that, feel immobilised, be completely overwhelmed. What can we do about it? I think there's two main things. We can, um, we're can, the consumers. Again, we're the boss. We get to decide what kind of things we want companies to create. And I think there's two main things we can do. We can work at this at a government level so we can encourage further accountability in supply chains. Currently, UK based companies who have a turnover of over £36 million a year must publish an annual transparently state. Transparency statement, which basically has like a modern day slavery statement to say what they're doing about modern day slavery in their supply chain. So that's great that we've got that, but there's absolutely no accountability. So if I was a company called, I don't want to like call anyone out, but if I was a company called Paper, um, I would have to have a statement on my website that said, This is what we're doing about modern day slavery. Actually, if I said I'm doing nothing about modern day slavery, nothing would happen. So actually, we need to be grappling with our governments and saying, "Okay, we need more accountability and more action on your modern day slavery statements. So we can be campaigning. And then personally, we can be using our lifestyles. Actually, Laura is a wonderful example of how in just a year um, you can be so obedient with your everyday decisions and in what you buy and actually choose to be distinct. And it shows so much of Jesus when you choose to do that. Now for me, this is an ongoing process. I'm such a consumer, I love buying. I love buying stuff, I love new things, and actually can be really overwhelmed by this. And it has to be like an intentional um, (coughs) prayerful attitude that I ask God to remember, like a compassionate um, remembrance of um, the people who are making the things that I buy. And before every decision, I'm like prayerfully reminding my heart of the reality of these issues. Some people in this room might be doing our campaign. At the moment we're running a campaign called Slave Free Lent, which is basically helping people begin this journey of ethical living and you're giving up something that often has slavery in its supply chain and you're learning more about the issue of slavery and you're learning more about how you can live a slave free life because actually we want slave free to be the new normal. We don't want to be normalized to that being okay. Um, so like those, mod- like those abolitionists, 400,000 who gave up slave-grown sugar, we're making a stand and being like okay I refuse to buy that because I know where it's come from so those are things we can do we can advocate, we can grapple with politics, we can speak to our politicians and we can make a stand actually saying that we're not going to stand for this we can ask our hearts tune our hearts to God so we can um, come to him with a prayerful attitude and let come and do this with him And thirdly, we can challenge our own lifestyles and we can, with every choice, decide what kind of a culture that we want to live in um, and refuse to be overwhelmed. And that applies to all areas of injustice, whether that's extreme poverty, whether that is slavery, whether that is local homelessness. All of these things, actually, I think you see these three common threads of things that we can start today um, in doing. And what I'm completely taken aback by is how, if you're in this room and you're around this table, then you're here because you're already a person of influence and we can't underestimate that the significance of that influence and whether you like it or not you're currently having an impact and you have to decide what that impact's going to be um nothing is neutral you're not just having a neutral impact on the world you're having an impact and you have to decide what that's going to be and that can be a, a big challenge or it can be a complete inspiration and you can know that you're going to be part of a international movement that's going to make some sort of change you just have to decide what that change is going to be and that's what i want the church to be famous for imagine if that's what's like splattered over the papers christians leading the modern day abolitionist movement christians leading a movement refusing to give in to climate change like imagine that's what the church is famous for and that begins with us as the next generation and like jesus loves it and he smiles upon us and we just look at what's in our hands and we step in and are obedient with those opportunities. Thanks. Thanks. So I'm just going to pass over to Hazel who
2: as you said, Bees asked me to talk about some of the work that Tierfund did or is doing with the Scottish Government. International affairs is actually a reserved power. It's not it's not a devolved one. But Jack McConnell, who was a First Minister at the time, um, decided that he had a heart, I think, well, especially for Malawi, but in African countries in general. And he wanted the Scottish Parliament to have its own international aid budget, which it does. So it's taken money away from other departments like educational and the rest, but that's a choice they made. But the work that they've done is amazing. So for Tier Fund, for seven years, Scottish Government funded a project. It's really oddly titled, but I think it obviously comes from <laughs> when it's come from which, the Girls and Boys Empowerment Project. Basically, it's about making sure girls are educated. And in Malawi, half of girls were married before they were aged 15. Like, child marriage was rife. It's now against the law. But um, Tierfin have done this project. So it's about educating boys as well as the girls, about the importance of education and not being married off. Because we worked with some girls. One was 14, and she was sold for the price of a chicken. And they're just like bought and sold as commodities but what does that mean you're a young person taken away from your family obviously sex comes into it the trauma with that sometimes your family just stand by and let it happen so it can happen it happens against your will what does that leave you with we had, in this project it's people called mothers and fathers Group, so they would try and keep track of the, if the girls attended school or not or if they suddenly disappeared and if they disappeared and they couldn't find them they would try and track them down if they'd been married off and take them back but Sometimes they would face stigma and bullying for leaving their husbands. Um, so there's lots of things. It's just the aftermath of all of that, forgiveness for families, forgiveness from communities. So it's just some of the amazing work that Tear Fund has done with the Scottish Government. The other thing the Scottish Government does is it's got a humanitarian emergency fund, which is pretty much what it says on the tin. If there's an emergency, Tear Fund and other international development organisations like skia or... Oxfam or whoever will inform the government and a decision made. So the latest money that was given out was this month and it's to Venezuela. So you might not know, Venezuela's actually, or was, a really quite well-off country, lots of oil, but there's lots of internal politics happening and there's a standoff between the president and somebody else who wants to be the president. So inflation has taken off, hyperinflation, people can't afford to buy basics, food, medicine, and if things become, if there's unrest... It, comes to that point where like teenage boys might be taken away just to fight one side or the other so there's now been over three million people left venezuela so all these refugees now are now going out towards other south american countries over a million have gone to colombia alone and you can imagine the pressure that has and people have sold everything they've sold their mattresses they've sold their bikes they've sold the cars they've sold every last stick that they have to try and get to the next country but when they get there there's nothing set up so the Scottish Government has given fund to get some money to work in these refugee camps to do what you can imagine, giving out um, first aid kits food, do what they can schooling there so I don't know if that was a crisis that you're aware of, there's so much happening around the world it actually scares me when you think about it um, but that is just following what you said it's, not, it's n- not to get overwhelmed and it's not to give up, it's to keep on doing stuff and lots of good stuff is happening in Tier Fund, we've seen actually quite a lot of success recently with the campaigns. Some of you, um, I think B is going to get, those of you who haven't, but she's already made some of you like sign postcards, and it's about getting the government to spend on the World Bank and the UK government to spend more money on renewable, renewables, um, especially in Africa, because people aren't attached to the grids, and then you're in darkness. Can you imagine living your life when the sun goes down in darkness, doing anything, getting child labour, doing your homework, whatever, going by a padoffin lamp, smokey pad of lamp, or torches. So we had, even last week, um, Harriet Baldwin, who's the Minister for Africa, gave an additional £30 million towards off renewables. That's just one thing. The World Bank campaign has actually been very successful. But with that comes attack, and that's what's been really interesting, because for a while the advocacy team felt like you're doing stuff, but there's not much traction. So we felt we've had a period of where doors are opening, things are happening... But then a lot of the team and my colleagues in Teddington, a lot of illness, there's a lot of different things happening. So it feels like the devil is like, you might be getting ahead of yourselves, the taste of success. So it feels like there's kind of like a spiritual attack almost. So our team have actually, the person who heads it up, has asked the leadership of Tear Fund to actually cover the team with prayer because it feels like it's like... If you you keep trying to do the right thing, the devil does want to wear you down, just so, like, oh, either you get bored with it or you feel it's too much, or you pray and you pray and you pray, and what happens? Or anything you do is just a drop in the ocean. You know, why should you use your keep cup or anything else when everybody's just going to keep on flying or driving the cars? What difference does it make? And that's all part, I think, of the, the devil's work. So it's just to keep on. And as Christians, you do have that prayer. Tear fund, we pray as well. We're in the morning. We're obviously not as committed as you. We don't do it in the afternoon. We're nine to half nine. We're half nine to ten. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the amazing thing about working for a Christian organization is about putting God first because that gives you the strength. And also, it's like to follow Him. So, that just keeps giving you the motivation even where you feel, is it worth it? God <laughs> stood up for, Jesus stood up for injustice wherever you came across it. He didn't just let it happen. And I actually think there's a lot of injustice going on in the world, different ways just now, as you all yourselves. You know. Talking about you can name any country in the world and it just seems nationalism is on the rise and there's lots of scary things happening. But to get back on track to front So um be also want to say some of the upcoming campaigns. So we're working on plastic, single-use plastic. Lots of jargon. Single-use plastic, I'm pretty you already probably know, and you've had heard Laura speak this morning and others, that just means just we're just trying to reduce plastic pollution and the number of people that are surrounded by plastic because there's no waste management systems in place. So how do you get rid of plastic if there's no recycling or there's no incinerator? People either burn it around them or it just all builds up so you live surrounded by plastic or you burn it. And you all know about it being in the oceans and it being found in fish and all the rest of it, it is a real issue. So it's just about us thinking as individuals, what can we do? So for me, one of the easy ones that I'm doing is, because we're trying to get people to pledge for 40 days and it's a really easy lead-in, one single-use plastic. You can go up different levels. So for me, it's soap, dispensable soap, and using bar of soaps instead of... Because soap, that's single-use. Once you've finished that tub of Redox or tub of Dove or whatever it is you use, that's it done. So with a bar of soap, you're not using that plastic. So it, so that's what I've chosen. For some of you, you obviously, and there's a few people here with, with their bottles, obviously do that. So instead of buying... Plastic bottles and Coca-Cola, for the first time ever, have released how much plastic they actually, um, whatever, produce. And it's, like, is it 30 million tons or 300? Like, it's a number that I can't get my head around. But it's like 200,000 bottles a minute, which I was slightly more able to get my head around. So, 200,000 bottles a minute Coca-Cola produce, and that's crazy. What happens to that in this country? We have landfill and incinerators, but we also actually export some of our rubbish. We used, to, we used to export it all to China, so we paid China to take care of a lot of our rubbish. But China now has so much rubbish of their own and are also overwhelmed by all the rubbish that they've said no. So we're now looking at other countries to take our rubbish. And some of them are poorer countries like Vietnam, there's Turkey. So we're just flooding other countries with our rubbish as well. So it's just to like remember things like that because... But it's really difficult. I have two children, one's one, one's three. Do you know how many wipes I use? The alternative is just to use cloths and reuse them. But I don't think we're conscious of how much plastic we use in everyday life. Unless If you travel, if anybody's going on a train, you'll have a plastic, whatever, salad bowl, plastic cutlery with your plastic bottle. It's just like an ocean of plasticness. And so it's just to think about how much plastic you're using and is there anything you can swap out so it'll be difficult to revolutionise your entire life but you can start small and then build up so we're going to be doing that campaign, it'll be bigger in May but we're doing a slow build up just now and we'll also be looking to lobby some of these companies who are trying to break into markets where the people are keen obviously to use their products the same way we are who doesn't love coke or whatever drink of your choice but they don't have the waste management system set up so companies do that knowing that so there should be a certain amount of responsibility. It's like, fine to go to that market, but you also then need to think about what then happens with the plastic that you produce. So I would like to, all of you, if you could think of it, there was just one single-use plastic, and there's loads of different things. It could be shampoo. It could be when you go to the supermarket, and there's you know fruit and veg. Everything is cased in plastic. And I'm one of the worst world's worst offenders. I hate cooking. So for me, a microwavable meal is just like... Yay, hurrah, two minutes in the microwave and that's it done. But that's, again, so much more plastic. And you can't recycle black plastic. So not getting plastic is the best thing. Recycling is, like, a per second.
0: And just to add on to that, I would, like, especially highlight, trying to get them to ask First ministers questions. I didn't, it's probably different because I worked for the opposition. <laughs> but. Um, when like your MSPs are always looking for questions to hold the government to account. They're always looking, no offence, they're always looking to trip them up. So actually if you came with a, and said, I want you to ask, that this is, this is a problem, I want you to hold the government to account and I want you to ask a question. They'll probably latch onto it because they're always trying to think of things to, to, to ask them. So you could even come and be like, can you ask the first minister this? Because they're always looking for questions.
2: And I'm going to go to once i pressing. Um, Most MSPs love hearing from constituents, especially if you're going to talk to them, like civilised, because they get a lot of abuse. So if it's just something you care about, it doesn't matter if it's a big issue or not a big issue. So if it's climate change for you or sex trafficking or whatever it is, if you just speak to them and it can be, you might, because that's the best thing about Scotland, they are really accessible. They will be in the area and you can email them or you can just email them. They love email. If they're young, they quite like social media. And you can just ask them and just say to them and to hear a genuine person talking about something they really care about will weigh with them. If you're looking to change things and influence things, then, for instance, the Climate Change Bill is going through Parliament just now. So Labour signed up to net zero emissions, Lib Dems are signed up, Greens clearly are signed up to it. But the Conservatives and the SNP, they're not... But, and we think that there's a split between the Conservatives, so there's some MSPs, probably like Modus Golden, who are more edging towards that. But there are other MSPs, especially in the East, who represent beef farmers and all the rest. You know, there's reasons why they're not going to support it. So there's an argument going on with that party. So it'd be like, if you want, think you want to try and take a balance, you all have eight MSPs, because you've got your constituency MSP and seven regional MSPs. You could email all eight of them. But if you've got Conservatives, you can really target them, or or the SNP, because, again, the government line is they want to be pragmatic. They want to make sure they can get everything in place and all the rest of it. But there's a tipping point now because (laughs) there was a report out by the IPC... uh, It's a UN. It's a UN report, and all the world's climate scientists have said things are looking really bad in terms of global warming. We need to do something now. So the Scottish government and the UK government have written away for advice. So there's a current window of opportunity... And so I would get in touch with your SNP and your Conservative ones in particular because the others are all kind of signed up and say, as a young person who, you know, and I care about the future of my planet, I would really appreciate it if you would consider voting for net zero emissions and encouraging your colleagues to do the same and doing something like that. Or even you could, and if you meet any MSP, whatever the party, and just encouraging them, affirming them, and if they have signed up to it, that's great. Keep at that and the importance of that. So but if you have anything that you care about, you can just speak to them because it will stick with them because it does make a difference.
0: Meeting and really, really quickly on that. In terms of writing to your MSP, don't send a template. Do you know how they can get like these mass emails? If you send an email that someone else has written and said <coughs> everyone send this, it goes like it go, we have a rule where it goes into a folder and then we don't really listen to them because they're all the same. We, we can't tell they care. Make it personalised. Say why you care and then they'll listen.
1: Chris, I don't know about you, but I found that really interesting um, just to listen to, and it was a great reminder of how we can speak truth to power in our actions, but also uh, with words. Um, was there anything in particular that stuck out to you? Yeah, I think quite early on, Zoe mentioned like I think we all do it, especially in the in the Brexit age that we're in, uh, of like just com- complaining and criticising MPs um, or MSPs of Scotland. Um, I think it's like one of those things that is very easy to fall into. But the reality, like she said, is: Do you actually know them? Do you pray for them? Do you even actually go out of your way to contact them? And so, I think a lot of the time, I can speak for myself. I get kind of like drawn into whatever ha- whatever's happening, like on the TV, and like who whoever is like the prime minister or whatever. But actually, our MPs are there for us to talk to, for- there to represent our views. So it's really important that we actually do that, and not only do that, but support them in doing that as well. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like they're sometimes that missing link between us and the government Uh because the government or we tend to think the government don't care and don't listen to our uh, opinions and what we have to say but our MPs are literally employed to do that and it's often in their interest to respond because if they listen to people in their constituency they're going to get voted in again Mm -hmm. next term and sometimes we forget that and we and we see this big void between the cabinet and Theresa May and others, um, and and us, but our yeah. MPs are that link, um, and it is a challenge just to make sure you know do do we know who our MPs are? Do we know their names? Do yeah. we know uh, what party they belong <laughs> to? Do we know? It's a really interesting interesting thought I just thought it was really interesting hearing hazel talk about the problem of single-use plastic um, I just thought the the stat where coca-cola produced 200,000 bottles a minute is just insane That's crazy and 50% of all plastic produced is single use like those bottles mm. and so it's it's an incredible' just mind-boggling amount of of plastic that's that's being produced but as hazel said there's an upcoming campaign that tier fund um, are running about rubbish it's top secret at the moment but i'm sure we can let listeners into what we've got planned in the next episode so that's it for this episode thanks for joining me and chris um, and listening along we're back on the 6th of may with a brand new episode if you enjoyed what you heard today hit subscribe follow us on instagram at we are Tearfund, and we'll speak to you soon